It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, California, the Dome! Rams Nation! What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams, so we've got Benny Bonsignor with us. We will get to that conversation here in just a bit. I want to welcome everybody into the Thursday edition. We've got some great stuff for you today. Remember, it's your last chance to enter to win two tickets to this Sunday's game versus the Seahawks at the Coliseum. Go find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as well, at Rams Podcast. Retweet, like, share, comment, tag, that whole deal. Get involved. Still a chance to win. We will be doing that drawing and then releasing the name on Friday. Got a couple days to reach out to me and collect your tickets. If not, we're going to go to our second pick. So if you hear your name, I will contact you via whatever you reached out on. So hopefully stick around. You may hear some good news. But that is Locked On Rams on all account. And then you can follow me on my personal account, LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter. And of course, you can find the show on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe, share. Leave a review. We really appreciate it. It helps us go up in the ranks and helps us find new listeners. And for all you new listeners, five days a week, Rams content. We've got some great guests. James Kroger's on Monday from Rams Podcast. We always have a crossover on Wednesday with our opponent for that week. We've got Vinny Bonsignor on Thursday, a.k.a. today. And then Friday, tomorrow, is Serena Morales with our Hype Edition, getting you ready for the game. Your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And speaking of that network, we've got amazing podcasts all over. And we're starting to share some content from other people's podcasts as big stories are breaking. And as you know, or if you don't know, now you know, Des Bryant was signed yesterday to the New Orleans Saints. The team we just played, Ross Jackson, who we just spoke to not too long ago, put together a quick little blurb on it. And I want to share it with you. Here's Ross Jackson's thoughts from Locked On Saints about their new pickup. What is good, football fans? My name is Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, the daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints here on the Locked On NFL Network, your team every day. And we have some breaking news here coming out of New Orleans. Des Bryant, former superstar wide receiver of Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints have agreed to terms on a deal that will be signed this week, making Des Bryant a member of the New Orleans Saints and an offense that already includes superstars such as quarterback Drew Brees, wide receiver Michael Thomas, running back Alvin Kamara, running back Mark Ingram, and an incredible offensive line. This is just a testament to the fact the Saints front office is not willing to be complacent with an already electrifying offense and that they want to win now. This is a win now, let's go get a ring type of move, and I love it. If you want to know more about this deal, and if you want to keep up with Des Bryant here as a New Orleans Saint, make sure that you subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast from. Just be sure to subscribe so that you know you're getting the most up-to-date episodes every Monday through Friday. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. 
so that you can keep up with what has already been and what promises to be a very special season here in New Orleans. All right, there you have it. Ross Jackson sharing his thoughts. Go give him a follow. He puts up great content. Thanks so much for that, Ross. And, you know, hopefully we'll see you in the playoffs here in L.A. We'll have another chat here soon. But wanted to share that with you guys as we've got amazing hosts all across the network, always breaking news and telling great stories about their team. My thoughts on that pickup? Meh. Definitely a win for Dez. That's a win for Dez. I don't know what he's really got left. His last year in Dallas, obviously, uh, Dak Prescott is continuing to show that he may not be as good as we thought he was, uh, but Dez wasn't either in his last season, but now he's with Drew Brees, an explosive offense, and he doesn't really have to be the man. That's definitely Michael Thomas out there in New Orleans. We're going to actually talk to Vinny Bonsignor about that as well and get his thoughts, so I'll save some of that coming up. And actually, in fact, let's get to that. I had a great chat earlier with Vinny, so here is my conversation with Vinny Bonsignor. Don't forget tomorrow, Friday edition, Hype edition, Serena Morales. But you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time, peace. Here's my conversation with Vinny. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Thursday edition, Lockdown Rams. You know what that means. We've got Vinny Bonsignor with us, writer for The Athletic. For the LA Rams and football in general, Vinny, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. I'm just hoping Ram fans have uh, settled down and uh, put everything in perspective and and stop freaking out and worrying <laughs> so much over over one loss. But I, you know, I, I used to be a fan when I was a kid. Younger days, I understand. I understand the emotions that's in it, but uh, but this is not any time to be uh, to be freaking out. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know what? We we had a couple, you know, freak out sessions, a couple venting. But now that we're here on our Thursday episode, I think we'd be able to fully recover and understand that, you know, in a weird way, it could be a good loss for us, you know, kind of check us a little bit. And also, you know, measuring stick on, you know, where we need to be as far as looking forward in the season and hopefully give ourselves some position to uh, have a home playoff game because going down to New Orleans in the playoffs isn't going to be you know, an easy situation. So uh, very much understood. And, you know, I got to ask you a couple questions because the, the game still has some, you know, emotion running through us. And, you know, you were there. You got to be in the locker room after the game. And, you know, what's it like being able to talk to Marcus Peters right after that game, right after he knows, you know, what happened and being able to question him? I know he got a little, I don't want to say took some stuff personal, but he was emotional. What's that like in the locker room asking a player when he's heated like that? Some tough questions. Um, well, you know, if these guys are professionals and uh, they understand that we have a job to do. And, and Marcus, I got to give him a lot of credit. And I, and I, I wrote a pretty harsh um, call about him, um, you know, but that's the way it goes sometimes. And I know that he understands that, but I give him credit because, he definitely holds himself accountable and he didn't, he made no bones about it. He's played like, you know, what he, what word he is when he talked about it, he's been playing bad um, and has been for a little while. Um, you know, that was a bad game that he had on Sunday. He had a bad game against the Seahawks. He didn't play well against the Vikings. He's not playing as well as the Rams had hoped. He's not playing like he thinks that he can and knows that he can. And he sat there and held himself accountable um, for it. So, but to answer your question, I mean, you know, it's not the most comfortable thing uh, all, all, all the time, um, but to, to most guys' credit, uh, there are some that, that, that you know, that, that don't quite get it, but to most guys' credit, and Marcus 
is one of them. He understood. I mean, he was the first guy to speak, basically. He he understood that, hey, I had a bad game. It's time for me to stand here and explain what happened or my, you know, uh, version of what happened. Um, and he did. And, uh, you know, he talk, He speaks the way he speaks. That's how Marcus talks all yep. the time. So yeah. there was no surprise in how he described it. Um, and it wasn't testy or it wasn't – there wasn't any, like – anger between us and between between him that's just how he speaks so i want fans to understand that you know there wasn't there was no real animosity there or anything like that that's just how he communicates yeah and that's a good point and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because he's been fun to listen to after big wins or obviously this loss here and you're right that's just kind of uh his tone his personality he is very authentic which you know, you could commend him for that or you can, you know, give him props for that for always being himself. So uh, I'm glad you made that point because some people, they, they got lost in that, right? You know, and we talked about it on Monday. There was a time when he was asked if he was injured and he almost kind of perked up like, you know, he was kind of puffing on his chest. But that's just kind of, you know, who he is. And even when people were giving him compliments, he reacted on some of those things that way. So um, glad you made that point. And a couple of things I want to mention before we kind of move on from this and um, I read that article, and, and you're right, you were a little tough on him, but it was fair criticism, right, on all the things that you said. Uh, one thing that I did notice, and, and forgive me if I don't know exactly when you tweeted this out, I think it was sometime after the game, and you had tweeted out, plain and simple, Marcus Peters wasn't ready. And when you tweeted that, uh, what, what did you mean? Do you think in his preparation or what he thought the matchup was or kind of what did that really mean, or is it plain and simple like he just got beat? Well, on that, on that specific play, he was looking elsewhere, trying to signal to one of his teammates, um, you know, getting a call, getting lined up, and he just wasn't ready at the snap of the ball to cover Mike Thomas, um, and it cost him. I mean, he, Thomas basically blew right past him, got a, two steps on him, a step and a half on him, and, and uh, that's all she wrote. So I just meant in that, on that, at that very play, he, he wasn't ready to, to compete because he was, his mind was elsewhere. He was, his focus was elsewhere. Not to say that he was lollygagging or that he didn't care. He was, he was trying to relay something to another player um, and wasn't ready at the, snap of the, at the snap of the ball. Gotcha. Okay, so that's what happened. I, I saw that tweet maybe a couple hours after the game, so it was tough to tell. You, you tweeted that probably right after yeah. the play. I got you. Okay, makes sense. And watching that playback, you're very right. He's got his hands pointing out to the left and balls hiked. And for a guy that you couldn't cover, well, I mean, he did cover him pretty well. And that's the problem is, you know, half of those receptions, he's right there trying to make a play. He's just a great receiver. But on that play, it doesn't help when you're a step behind on a guy who's really having a great game. But, all right, well, thanks for the clarification there. What we're going to do is we're going to step aside. I got a couple more questions kind of about this game, but moving forward as well. This is the Thursday edition Lockdown Rams. We've got Vinny Boston Yor with us. More on the other side. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. 
Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Rams Nation, Thursday edition, Locked On Rams. We've got Vinny Bonsignor with us. He is a writer for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Bonsignor. He's a great follow. You're going to get great content. He's always sharing his articles. And then he's going to engage with you, the fan, if you got something to say. Uh, he'll put you in your place in, in the best way possible, but he's going to bring facts in. So when you're tweeting at him, just know that you know you may get a response. <laughs> so, uh, But he's a great follow. Go give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, Vinny, we talked about, obviously, Marcus Peters, and he'll be brought up again here on this podcast today, but I want to kind of shed some light on some good things, right? We talked about Jared Goff throughout this week having one of the better performances definitely of this season and maybe even in his career if you look at the type of game, you know, what it meant going down, getting down so early, having him come back. Uh, What can we expect going forward with Jared Goff? I know they really needed the offense to do that, but do you think this was a big boost for him kind of mid-season to kind of finish the season out on a great campaign? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, 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 I think we should be at the point, or, or fans should be at the point. You know, when they have, and I, I talked to Sean McVay about this today, when, you, when they needed to lean on the offense, and, and Jared in particular, uh, Sunday, because they're in a 21-point hole, it's nice to know that when you do, he can uh, react accordingly, and he did that. And, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. It was one of those things where, hey, you know, the Rams needed to score points and lots of them to get back into this game. So they jacked it up a little bit, and I think they put it on his, you know, on his plate more than anyone, um, and, and, and he responded. But, yeah, it was definitely a, 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 a good sign that – not a surprising sign, though, but a good sign that Jared was up to that challenge, you know. And, and when you need him to dial it up or – hey, we need to ride you, big boy, for a couple of quarters here because we got to get back into this thing, Then he and, and, and he's able to respond. And that's what good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks do, and I absolutely believe Jared Goff's a great quarterback. So uh, good sign for him, though, that, that he reaffirmed, you know, that, that he's capable uh, of doing even more when, you, when, when needed. Yeah, I totally agree. And Sean yeah. McVay kind of mentioned alongside of that, one of my favorite things that he kind of said was, you know, especially when you're down, quarterbacks and, you know, playmakers in general try to go for the big play, try to, like, get it all back in one play. And Jared just really worked that ball game to his advantage in the sense of taking what the defense was giving. I know that's so cliche, but he didn't force a ball. I mean, he definitely threw in some tight windows and showed off that arm and, and his accuracy. But uh, he really showed that, you know, he can be composed down 21 and really work the ball down the field and really trust, you know, what McVay's doing. So, uh, McVeigh mentioned that, and when he said it, I was like, "Yeah, you're right. That's that's so cool to see this young guy not trying to take a big bite into that that lead and just kind of chip away at it." So, uh, coming up, you know, we got the Seahawks coming into town, and uh, they've got a couple guys banged up who we're still waiting to see. Carson running back is you know questionable, but most likely, I think he's going to try to give it a go. On the Rams side, how are we looking uh, injury wise? I haven't heard much so far this week. Uh, so far, so good. Um, everyone checked out. There was no, um, there were no significant injuries or even really remotely close to uh, type injuries. I think uh, they're they're a full go for Sunday. Um, it was nice for the Rams, obviously, to have Cooper Cup back. Uh, he showed, you know, uh, 
how much he means to this team, and I expect that to uh, to, to to continue. Uh, but health wise, they're they're looking pretty good, and they you know they're going to have some decisions to make. Uh, you know, Farrell Cooper um, is he going to come back? I mean, you know, you look at what JoJo Natson um, is doing, uh, and Blake Countess is doing in the return game. And that's in pretty good hands right now. So where's where's the spot for Farrell Cooper? Do you even bring him back right now? So uh, they're they're getting they're getting right at the right time. And I'm sure you saw Akeem Talib uh, on NFL Network. I was I just talked to uh, Talib uh, a little earlier. He's walking along great. He looks good, uh, and he's raring to go. And he's eyeing um, you know uh, the the right after the bye week against the Lions uh, for his return. And that would be a huge addition so uh, everything's looking good health wise yeah i'm glad you brought that up and yeah, I, I, I did see that on nfl network and he's even kind of explained it like he's running he's doing some cutting he kind of made it sound like he feels really good at this point obviously wait use that take advantage of that buy and bring him back week 13 uh versus the lions and great point with the pharaoh cooper and what we've already seen in the return game i'm trying to think it's it's pharaoh and then mike Thomas, is that the other one that's out on the list as well? Or who else is on that? Because that, you only get two spots to bring back. Obviously, Tlaib is going to be one of them. Who else is out there potentially to come back? Uh, just those two, Mike Thomas and, um, and, and, and Farrow. And I would imagine that if it's one or the other, it's going to be Farrow because he just gets, you know, a little bit more playing time and is more involved, you know, in the special teams. But like I said, JoJo uh, and Blake have been doing a really good job uh, in their in their specific roles. So do you do you mess with that and bring in bring bring Farrow back? Sean alluded to it uh, this week um, about that decision, and and so there's there, it's not cut and dry that he's coming back. It doesn't sound like. Yeah, very true. And you, I mean, you said it. JoJo's playing so well, and in the NFL, I mean, we saw it with Jamon Brown. If you allow whether it's injury or suspension, someone else an opportunity to go out and perform. Uh, your job is never secure. Obviously, you look at the history of that happening. Tom Brady was one that took very much advantage when Drew Bledsoe went down. So uh, this isn't anything new. But good to see those guys at least step up and you know perform because that's a huge part of the game. There were a couple times in that Saints game where we had finally gotten a stop and they have a good punt and all you're like, JoJo, just hold on to the ball. He does a great job. Uh, he hasn't fumbled the ball once, so that's always great. And you know, tough to kind of make that decision when the hot hand is, isn't doing too bad. Um, speaking of, you know, newcomers, we saw Fowler had his first game, had a great game for, you know, really having a couple days of practice. He was actually our number one by pro football focus standards, uh, run defender. He had the best run grade as far as out of the group, which was awesome to see, especially since he's coming in as a pass rusher. Uh, but another guy we've talked about for weeks, right? Oboe. And they finally put, put him on the roster, but what are the chances that they're going to make him? part of the active day roster is that maybe this week or what does that look like um that's a good question uh, he's gonna have to um you know he's gonna have to show that uh that he deserves a uh, a spot on the 46-man roster the active uh, uh roster uh, i don't know um you know sean mcbay doesn't know it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out but i think we talked about this last week um you know obviously they faced a monday decision on whether to uh to add him to the roster or put him on IR, uh, their thinking was able to help us right now, but he might be able to help us a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now. So why why you know lose him for the season when we can keep him around and bring him along uh, and get him up to speed more and more uh, and get him acclimated more and more on the chance and the hope 
that at some point he's going to be able to, to help them. And so that was the thinking. It might not be for this week. It might not be for next week. Uh, but at some point, I, I think that they believe or hope that he's going to be able to, uh, to help them out. Yeah, and like you said, I, I think that's a great point as far as let him come along naturally. And Sean McVay said a couple times, we just haven't seen him enough in practice to you know really want to throw him out there yet. But uh, enough, obviously, to keep him on the roster. And hopefully maybe that same game out in Detroit coming off the bye, uh, we'll see a couple fresh faces out there in Detroit. What we'll do now is we're going to step aside, get a quick word from some sponsors. We'll be right back. Thursday edition, Vinny Bonsignor, more on the other side. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fancy Football with your Locked on Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. We've got Vinny Bonsignor with us. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. We're a few days away from a, you know, what used to be a very intense showdown, and it still will be, but not as far as records go. I saw you tweet out something as well today about uh, basically the Rams are one win away and maybe a Seahawks loss away from winning the NFC West. Is that correct? Well, um, yeah, because you know if they if they get to nine and one and knock Seattle to four and five, the Rams would have to lose what did I say five of the last six I think it is, and the the Seahawks would have to win their remaining seven just to be able to uh, to, to win for for the, for the Rams to at that point cough up the division because they do have the the, the tie the you know by beating them twice. They'll have the tiebreaker advantage, which makes a four-game lead actually a five-game lead. So they can't finish. They can't finish ten and six. Seattle would have to be eleven and five, and the Rams would have to be ten and six for them to uh, for the Seahawks to have any chance. And what are the chances of that? So basically, winning on Sunday to go to nine and one, and then getting to ten wins, we'll, we'll do it for the, for the uh, division title. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. That made much sense right there, but yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, there's a there's a scenario where they can, you know, if they win the next two games, they'll clinch uh, with one Seattle loss. So uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that when we started breaking this down at the beginning of the year, you know, we had a pretty good feeling that the Rams were going to be the leader in the division, but we thought behind us was going to be San Francisco and and obviously uh, the Seahawks fighting it out for that second position, making it tough on us. And so far, that hasn't been the case. A lot of injuries and things like that, but uh, the Seahawks always play us well, and, and we. Uh, talked about this in the first game. You know, the the spread was, 
like eight or nine points up on the road, and we thought they'd cover big time. It was a close game down to that, you know, that fourth down play. They're coming down here. They beat us last year here in the Coliseum, and, and we expect a good game. DJ Fluker, after that first game, offensive lineman uh, for the Seahawks, kind of had some words about uh, Dominican Sue and said he's been taken to the water all game, and he said we got lucky. Has that kind of resurfaced in the Rams' locker room, or do you think that's just in the memory bank? Well, I just remember uh, when we informed uh, <laughs> Aaron about that that following uh, Wednesday. He's like, "Oh, really?" He goes, "We'll face him again," and he left it at that. You know, when we talked about it, talked to him about it this week, he just sort of said, I'll, "I'm just gonna let my, you know, basically, I'm gonna let my, we're gonna let our play do the talking on the field." So yeah, trust me, he remembers what DJ <laughs> Fluker said. He remembered. He heard it. Uh, it registered, um, and you know, I don't know if that's the guy you want to get mad. Uh, if you're DJ Fluker, who I think has a calf injury anyway, so you might he's questionable, or you know, the, the, I, they're, they're, that's up in the air his status for the games, uh, or who knows, maybe he uh, maybe he's questionable with an Aaron Donald, uh, you know, maybe that's what. Um, just kidding, he's a he's a good football player, and he's obviously helped change that Seahawks offensive line. So uh, if he can play, I'm sure DJ will be out there, but it'll make for a nice little. Um, you know, keep an eye on, on that matchup. Yeah, definitely. We talked to Grant Goldberg of Lockdown Seahawks yesterday, and he, he expects him to play and says that, uh, you know, he, they were kind of being careful with him more than, you know, he's super injured. And, and he said it was their best offseason pickup that he's been a huge position or a huge addition to their offensive line. So, uh, but you're right. That's not the person you really want to rile up the defending uh, defensive player of the year and, and really right now leading candidate for this year's defensive player of the year. So he doesn't need much motivation, but you know, it sure helps us Rams fan to know uh, that he's going in with a little <laughs> extra uh, for that game. And as we talked earlier in the show, we talked about Marcus Peters and, you know, he's got to be mentioned again, especially when we're facing the Seahawks because Russell Wilson was one of the first quarterbacks this season to really start to take advantage of Marcus Peters and almost felt like that was the downslope of Marcus Peters play. He gave up about three touchdowns. I think he was involved in, and Russell Wilson uh, throwing to his guy. So uh, what does he have to do? Obviously coming off a really poor performance. I mean, how do you adjust to face Russell Wilson who can get out of the pocket, extend plays? Can he go back to a more traditional non risk taking or, or is he just going to continue to be himself? Well, uh, there's a fine line and you know, they don't want to, um, you know, they don't want to take away his, the edge that he does play with and because that's what makes him so good. Uh, but at the same time, it has to be, you know, within, first of all, within the structure, but then also, you know, you get, you get to a point of uh, diminished returns. Are you hurting or helping? Uh, what are you doing more of, you know, with the way you play? So, I mean, Akeem Talib made a good point um, when he spoke uh, this week on, on NFL Network. He's like, you know, we look at, you know, four plays or so out of 60 plays that he played. And he did play a lot of plays, Marcus. So he's playing good the rest of the time. But we look at, you know, it's easy to point out, you know, uh, the mistakes. I mean, I understand where Akeem is coming from, but there were some blatant mistakes. Right. Uh, and there's been some blatant mistakes this year. Um, and he's a guy that he's he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. Those have to be minimized. Those have to be mitigated. And, and I and I do think that you know a little bit less of the risk taking and just a li- playing a little bit more sound, fundamentally sound uh, uh, football will help. You know, and I was I rewatched the game. There were a lot of plays where Mike Thomas just. I mean, that guy's a hell of a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, and he came up with some balls that Marcus was right there. 
right there. But between market, between that wide receiver and that quarterback, those are some tight windows, and only one guy really had a chance to get. I don't care how good the coverage was. Um, that's how good you know the, the spot that, that Drew Brees put it in, only for his guy, his guy to get it. So sometimes you do have to tip your cap. But things like the 72-yard touchdown at that particular moment, third and seven, there's 350-something left on the clock. Yeah. The Rams would have had plenty of time you know, um, to either drive for a field goal or, or even a touchdown. You just can't let that happen. Those are the plays that can't happen. Um, and so he's got it in him. He's obviously got it in him. He's showed that in Kansas City. But maybe just a little bit more, a little bit less of the risk-taking, a little bit more sound football, and just, just get some confidence back uh, by doing it that way. So let's play a little scenario here, and let's say Marcus Peters starts the, the Seahawks game the first half and you know has a poor performance in the first half and gets burnt for two touchdowns. Is there any chance that – Sean McVay or Wade Phillips would consider benching him, or is that just we don't have the depth for that? Well, number one, I don't think you have the depth for that, and number two, um, I, no, <laughs> I, I just don't. You know, I, I, it, you know, you don't want to lose him either. You know, you don't want to lose him. I mean, definitely they were they've been so good this year that whatever issues he's had um, on the on the, in the games where he's played poorly, they've been able to overcome him, and I believe that they believe that they can you know, do that more often, more often than not. And, and in the process, get him to a place where he's contributing more than he's hurting. And um, they're just going to have to bear with it right now. Yeah. And they're just going to have to um, hope that he, like I said, levels it out a little bit, balance out a little bit, and they can survive whatever mistakes. Cause they just, they need him. They have to have him playing well. They just have to. Uh, there really, there's no other alternative. Right. And real quick, I'm going to kind of just throw out a NFC question for you because today we saw Des Bryant was uh, signed to a one-year deal with the Saints. It's kind of funny because I feel like other teams are starting to be just as aggressive as the Rams and trying to add value at all times. And, you know, you know you can't be content with your team. But what are your thoughts on Des Bryant? Do you think he's got much left in the tank? Does he fit in that offense? Was that a big sign or is that like a nah, not too important for you? What do you think? I mean, I, probably, probably uh, in between those two. Um, I think that he's going to the right quarterback. I'll tell you that. If yeah. there's anyone that's going to be able to, uh, to 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 bring whatever Des has left out, it's Drew Brees um, in in that system. Uh, and I, you know, I think that Des understands. Obviously, I'm not going there to be the man. The man's Michael Thomas, and that's not going to change. My presence here is not going to change that one bit. I just want to contribute. Um, I want to be on a uh, in a winning in a winning program. Uh, maybe try to go chase a ring, and if it shows other teams that I'm still a viable NFL wide receiver, all the better. I mean, I think that he's playing just as much for next year as he is this year, um, and he's got an audience of one with the Saints, and then 31 others who are going to be keeping an eye on that and seeing where he is, and if he can still contribute and still play, then a lot of doors opens up for, uh, open up for him. Yeah, I think the biggest winner out of that is Dez. You mentioned it. Great quarterback, great team, Sean Payton. Uh, so, yeah, he's got a chance to just go score some touchdowns and, and get some balls and, like you said, not be the number one guy, not have that big pressure. But if he can perform a little bit, he might earn himself some money moving forward. But want to get your thoughts on that since, obviously, we just played them and they're getting better. We'll close the mm -hmm. show here, as we always do. My bookie, big sponsor of the show. They're spread, and it's crazy because I'm like, did they not see the last game? Did they not see the Seahawks, you know, take the Chargers to the wire? But it's a 10-point spread 
here at the Coliseum. Talk to me about it, and what do you think, uh, how's it going to go? Well, I think what they saw was the Chargers basically made that way closer than it should have been uh, with their kicking woes. Um, so, yes, that was a deceiving final score. Uh, the Chargers controlled that game, and I think, I think they saw that. Uh, and I think they, they saw that the Rams, you know, uh, a couple of mistakes – well, a maybe even a bad call by the referees on the fake punt that wasn't a first down that changed momentum, and then uh, you know a, a bad interception by Jared Goff toward the end of the first half that put on seven more points that made it a 21 point game. Other than that, the Rams went into New Orleans um, and put themselves in a position to maybe even win the game after falling behind by 21. That's how good they are, um, and I think they, they saw that as well. And I think that. They're probably thinking, how is Seattle going to keep up with an offense that's playing like that at home? And especially after the Seahawks kind of got their attention in the last game, I don't think they're going to run for 191 yards again. If they do, then the Rams are in trouble. But I think that they get that squared away, uh, and I think that their offense picks up right where it left off on Sunday in New Orleans. And I think that knowing what's at stake, too, that they can really, really take control of the division, I think that they come out on Sunday and play a really good game. So you think the Rams cover the spread? Is that what I'm picking up there? Um, I think there's a really good chance that they do, yeah. Okay. I think there's a really good chance. Man, I, I love having you on, Vinny. You might as well we might start having to move. Serena <laughs> might be in trouble. We have to move you to the hype edition with all this, uh, this love you give oh. our team. And <laughs> uh, But I'm a little more cautious, and uh, you know I always love it. You're a good sell, but I think – I think it's just going to be Russell Wilson does what he does, and that's keep it close. Whether it uh, ends up being an ugly football game or not, he finds a way to kind of just either play an ugly football game along with you, or if you're going to go shoot it out, he'll find a way to shoot it out. I think this thing is like a five-point, uh, six-point spread, so ten points is just too much for me, especially seeing that last game. I think they're going to come in with a chip on his shoulder thinking, hey, we, we, were, we were one down away from – you know, winning that last game. They lost to the Chargers. They, they, you know, they've got a lot to hate against LA right now. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to go close. I think we win the game, obviously. And and you're right. I could see us doing exactly what you said, just kind of, uh, you know, picking up where we left off and and really making this ugly. But I think the Seahawks are going to give us a game. It's division rival and hopefully Fluker's there and uh, it will be a good showdown, a big physical battle in the NFC West. Uh, but, Vinny, we appreciate it so much. Guys, make sure to go check out The Athletic. If you need a code, let me know. I think we still have some floating around on Lockdown Network. Uh, he does great coverage for them there at The Athletic. He's a reporter for the Rams. He does NFL coverage. You can find him at Vinny Bonsignor on Twitter. Vinny, thanks so much. We look forward to your content throughout the week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, I'll be in Colorado Springs. We'll talk to you then. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.